Hello, and welcome to Champions of Psychology, a show with the goal of openly talking about mental health and gaming presented by Codename Entertainment and TakeThis.org. Every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on Twitch.tv slash Games, or later on your favorite podcast service, Mitra Jordan and Rafael Bucamazzo, a.k.a. Dr. B, talk about mental health and the, uh, in these unprecedented times, as well as how gaming affects us. If you heard this live in the chat, you can leave a question that I, Trevor Bettis, might ask them later in the show. Uh, our topic today is going to be uh, therapy versus therapeutic gaming. Uh, uh, but before we get to that, uh, Dr. B. Mitra, why don't you introduce yourselves for people who may not know you? Sure. I'm Mitra Jordan. I'm a therapist here in Victoria, BC. I work in private practice, um, and I am fascinated by games and gaming and like to use them in my work um, as well as in my life. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and I am uh, Rafael Bocamazzo, better known as Dr. B because of long Italian name reasons. And <laughs> I am the clinical director over at Take This, the first mental health nonprofit to serve the game community. Uh, I am also a player every other Monday over on Clinical Role with a whole bunch of mental health types. And um, on the uh, Mondays that aren't that day, I'm playing with uh, games on Take This a Stream with Dr. Kelly Dunlap. Um, I also am an expert on the applied use of games in clinical and learning settings. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's Strahd. Strahd's making making his appearance. Strahd! <laughs> <laughs> Down. No, Strahd, no. Strahd, no, this is not your show. This is about Strahd, like, we're helping Strahd. people. God, Strahd, you suck. He's like, no, oh, yes. no, I'm not Strahd. I, I am Dr. Acula. Uh, <laughs> uh, God, that's that's a bad old joke. Anywho. Uh, no, he yeah. likes it. He likes it. He thinks that's a great name. <laughs> Strahd would. Yeah. Uh, so uh, therapy versus therapeutic. So we've talked... Uh, already on the show about you know finding a therapist and what therapy can be um and then distraction versus uh um avoidance which i feel kind of falls in line with maybe what therapeutic would be as far as distraction goes so what is therapy versus therapeutic as far as like gaming goes um well <laughs> what's that you, yes. Oh, <laughs> me. <the> guy. <laughs> you. <laughs> Tell us about yeah. it. <laughs> um, yeah. So it, this, is, this is a question that comes up all the time when I and friends and colleagues are talking about applied role-playing games. Um, people come out of those, those uh, talks that we give going, hey, you know what? I'm going to use role-playing games to help my friends with their trauma. First of all, don't do that. <laughs> don't do that. Uh, don't therapize your friends. It's a bad Do idea. Um, but the idea of therapy, we talked about therapy being this agreed upon applied process with a trained professional. Mm -hmm. Therapeutic, anything can be therapeutic. It's therapeutic is an incidental, maybe even happy, just random occurrence where something benefits you personally mm -hmm. and anything can be therapeutic mm -hmm. anything if it brings you joy or you find it restorative or it benefits you in some way anything is therapeutic but that can that, again that's incidental as opposed to applied conscientious trained process 
that that's kind of what I was getting to at the uh, the going back to last week's episode with uh, distraction versus avoidance, where if it is a distraction and it is helping you recharge, that's therapeutic. Mm-hmm. Uh, but th- what you're doing there probably wasn't made with that intention. Absolutely. So there's a lot of games that are therapeutic in that they allow you to recharge. They're a break. You can use um, or apply skills and feel confident. You may Mm -hmm. have a great online community of players with you, and that's pretty therapeutic Mm -hmm. to have that resource in your life. I I would call Idle Champions therapeutic. I mean, we're we're kind of navel gazing there, but I think think that is, I think that absolutely is because I've heard plenty of people who are just like, oh, yeah, I just turn that game on and just zone out, level my stuff up, redo formation, and they can focus on something. Yeah. And, and get that distraction as well as kind of that therapeutic thing of feeling good and progressing and whatnot. I mean, you're preaching to the choir. Look around. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Preaching to the tavern. That's right. The ta- that's right. Which is where I do my work. You know, the bartender is in. No, no. <laughs> yeah. I like that. Um, so the, the therapeutic gaming is uh, can just kind of be like whatevs. But what what is a ther- therapy game? What is an example of that? Well, you know, I, I think a lot of us, and I'm, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna date myself on this one. Um, for those of us, oh, for those of us old enough to remember the Apple IIe, uh, and the game Number Crunchers, where you, the whole purpose of this old, old game from the '80s was that we, you're using a game to teach math skills, okay, mm-hmm. and a therapy game is something that is intentionally applied. Like, um, shout out to my friends Adam Davis and Adam Johns, the co the co-founders of the great mental health nonprofit Game to Grow, where their whole mission is the applied use of games. Well, they're finishing up the development of what they're calling their critical core game, which is a role-playing game designed specifically to teach social skills. And it is an intentionally applied concept done by made by professionals uh, i think it's mm-hmm. uh, adam Adam and a wonderful person named virginia spielman who are designing this game and that is that is a what i would consider a therapy game it's intentionally applied for emotional or learning purposes mm-hmm. uh so that it it's not uh it's not just like oh well i like what, what i was few weeks ago when i was talking about like oh i i learned how to read because of uh playing pokemon they did not set out to be like we're gonna help children learn how to read with weird monsters in their pockets um like they they made out set out to make a cool rpg and i happened to learn from that but like uh like I, I'm I'm a few years uh, behind you, but like Math Blaster, that's what I grew up playing. Uh, where like there were games that were specific. Oh, Mario teaches typing. Come on, mm-hmm. that oh, was- I forgot about that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Where it's just like, no, we're gonna teach kids how to type, but with Mario because they love Mario. Um, and so, th- kind of taking that into the, you know adulthood is like we are setting out to work on this type of. Uh, not, not quite like I don't know if mental health is the right way to say or anything like that, but like with this purpose in mind to help people, mm-hmm. right? Which, which I I still like. I don't think there's I don't know of many in the video game space that is set out specifically to with that purpose. They're, they'll 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 set out with the purpose of exploring it. 
um, and, and and kind of maybe the developer themselves works through something that way. But they're not setting out to make that game with the purpose of helping everyone. It was their personal story that they are exploring the feelings of through development. Right. Okay. So and that, course- there's a there's a there's a difference there between again intentionally applied games to benefit your players as designed by a trained professional versus thematic mm-hmm. exploration and there's plenty of things that do that really well mm. uh oh god i was gonna say so i when i work with families particularly uh kids and adults uh, sometimes um an adult may have a strained relationship with their kid and we may play a game in therapy again the purpose isn't the game so much as it is the connection and finding a, a safe uh, connection between parent and child in that instance. Um, therapy kind of, and the game sort of mediate that space. So that's very different. Like somebody might come into a therapeutic experience, and if they are playing a game, they might not quite know the purpose but generally if you're a good therapist you'll be sharing with them why we're doing this right (laughs) Um, and further to that there's the idea you know that a therapist may sort of suggest try something as an experiment that helps people get into a more playful uh, mental headspace and emotional space around the idea of trying a new behavior or taking a risk in their lives and it's like, okay, and we'll come back next week and talk about how that experiment felt for you or what mm-hmm. went, you know. So that's a way of bringing playfulness and kind of a bit of uh, what's sometimes called gamification into therapy. But that's very different than games that are designed for therapy or used with a therapeutic, used specifically in therapy, which D&D is often used in therapy, or at least frequently, particularly with young people. Um, mm-hmm. So... Yeah, Doctor B, you were saying before the the before we started uh, recording that uh, about like how role play and whatnot has been in therapy for a very long time. <laughs> oh God, yeah. Um, you know the idea. I mean, uh, there's for a, more than a century. You know, role playing mm-hmm. as a concept has been used in all sorts of different therapeutic approaches. Um, you know, Gestalt therapy, Adlerian. Um, I. You know, Sigmund Freud, I, I think, did it a little bit. Um, I know one of those names. <laughs> <laughs> I, I was like, was that a person's name or a term? Do I need to ask for terminology? Well, gestalt therapy is a term. Uh, that was a form of psychology, very popular in the 70s, really not done these days. Uh, yeah. okay. it's, uh, the guy who created it was uh, abrasive. Okay. <laughs> Fritz Perls. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, abrasive. If anybody's mm-hmm. ever curious to see that, look up the Gloria sessions uh, that every grad student in psychology has to watch Uh, I think they're on YouTube but um, (laughs) (laughs) it's God Fritz Pearls but yeah no role playing has been used um, really heavily in uh, by uh, a a form of therapy named Adlerian named after a guy named Alfred Adler uh, who helped role playing uh, be used to help people he's the one who invented the inferiority complex Mm. Uh, but yeah, I'm trying to. I don't. I'm trying not to get too deep into. The, <laughs> we're going to get into a history of a history of psychology here if I'm not careful. <laughs> Doctor B wheels out a whiteboard. He's like, "All right, so I let's have start one right here. here. <laughs> I'm here for it. Right <laughs> here. Would like us to move on." <laughs> 
Um, but yeah, yeah, role playing is not a new thing in the world of psychology, um, which is one of my soapboxes for well, then Why wasn't D&D adopted sooner? Oh, yeah. Satanic panic. <laughs> oh, the satanic panic. Ruins everything. D and D will apparently make you a violent deviant, which is why I'm. Yeah, I am <laughs> a violent deviant. What's your problem? <laughs> Strahd's just it. ready to go at a moment's notice. He is. Why you do this, my world? <laughs> essentially. <laughs> Yeah, don't, well, don't, uh, I, I, don't I look like a deviant, don't I? <laughs> yeah, no, totally, 100%. I'm really Pax liking deviant. the jacket with the bow tie. It's a super look. It really is. It's fantastic. I, this uh, is my lamentation of the fact that we didn't get to go to PAX Unplugged this year. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, I, I, I do, uh, real quick, though, because like, this is getting slightly veering off topic here, but like as far as like D&D with, uh, I know, we, we do off topic so well, uh, we, <laughs> is the, like you were saying, like, why wasn't D&D involved into therapy? Uh, but I, I think it's not just because of the satanic panic, but there is also uh, kind of, I think from what I was reading back during the 80s, like there is a mentality of like, oh, if you're playing D&D, you need mental help. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, like if you if you've seen the the feature length film uh, Trolls and tu- or Tunnels and Trolls starring Tom Hanks, <laughs> it's a whole movie about someone that just has a psychiatric break or something like that, like uh, while playing D anD D, and then thinks everything is real, and that's how people thought things were happening. The James Eggert incident, yeah, yeah. Oh God, yeah. So I think that that happens with a lot of different media, actually. I mean, if you think back to when books first came out, you know, people had this tremendous negative um, view of of people who read as Mm -hmm. somehow um, detaching themselves from reality um, or choosing to enter the world of a book, if you will, and not participate in their Mm -hmm. reality, right? You had that with TV and the idea of TV and violence. You have that with video games. You certainly had that with D&D, and it was the same thing. It's like there's this somehow idea that our brains are too fragile to handle multiple um, views on the world or, or reality, so that if we enter into a consensual game reality, as in the experience within the game, that somehow we're going to uh, lose track of the world outside of the game, as if that happens. You know, our brains are more interesting and more complex than that and could certainly handle that make-believe process. It's called imagination. And if we didn't have it, we probably wouldn't have built a whole bunch of amazing buildings. We wouldn't have made advances in medicine. We -hmm. wouldn't have um, fantastic recipes. Like, come on. Anyway, sorry, I had to go on that little (laughs) rant. But I think the things, they relate, right? Well, they absolutely do. And... uh, maybe not coincidentally the very first i mentioned this to you both before we did the show is that the very first academic research on role-playing games which came out it took nine years after DD's commercial release for this book to come out it's called uh shared fantasy by a guy named gary allen fine who's a sociologist and um he was specifically examining the criticism that uh, fantasy role-playing games like Dungeons and Dragons took you away from reality and, you know, because of the moral panic at the time made you like a psychotic deviant or whatever. And um, he he countered back with, no, you actually need a better grip on reality to effectively play these games because you have to shift perspectives so mm-hmm. fluidly. 
Um, mm-hmm. And we can get into the, I don't want to get too deep into the technical jargon of like frame analysis and what have you. But, um, and, and I, I, bringing this back around, that's part of the reason I actually really like when I see a well-designed therapy game, not a game that's incidentally used in therapy, mm-hmm. not a game that is, in, you know, coincidentally therapeutic, but a really good applied therapeutic game I love it for that reason because it provides such a safe framework to mm-hmm. explore really potentially intense conversations and topics in a way that you can't just face to face. There is this sort of, um, you, I don't want to say you step out of yourself. I want to say you kind of step laterally. You step sideways to a mm-hmm. little bit of a safer framework when it's done well. Yeah, I think let's talk about a couple of those. Do you want to mention some? Because I think that that's um, a really, that's really useful for our viewers to know. I I do think that that's what a good game can do. Therapy is a safe place, right? You come into a, an office or these days a Zoom call where you feel like you can safely explore and experience your emotions and what's going on for you. Um, and a game that's designed for therapy, it's exactly as you said, allows us to experience our emotions uh, in a way where it's safe to explore them, in a way where it's safe to explore them in the context of a different environment, perhaps, um, and perhaps accept or try out or role play a few new things that Mm -hmm. may allow us to deepen into that experience. And then we bring that to our lives afterwards. So are there some things that people can try or explore? Um, and do these have to be presented with a therapist? Or is this something that people can explore for themselves? Because I feel like that's a question. Well, I, so there's a there's a difference between self-exploration mm-hmm. and therapy. I Definitely. My advice to people is never do therapy without a therapist. Yes. All right. And part of the reason for that is that it's, and I, I suspect Mitra is going to be just like, yes, 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 at everything I'm about to say. <laughs> yes. Asking in-depth questions about people's, um, and this is a technical term, emotionally squishy spots. Um, Sorry. Asking those I was expecting in- that. <laughs> when I hear technical term, like especially therapy, I think it's going to be this long word, <laughs> squishy spots. But asking I like if- it. <laughs> Everybody can grasp it. Emotional vulnerabilities. Yeah. Squishy <laughs> spots. <laughs> Does the job. But asking people questions about, you know, their, their emotional squishy spots is, that's easy. All right? No, knowing what questions to ask, anybody could do that. The real hard work uh, that therapists do is containment. Absolutely. And providing a safe framework for you to be vulnerable and squishy and we can kind of let all of all of the soft spots be exposed to the air um i'm really mixing metaphors now but the it, ba- basically being able to contain everything and help people put it back into um into them as a whole person that's the really really tricky part that therapists are real good at and so if you're, you know, this is why we tell people don't therapize your friends. Do not. It do is not. one thing to do self-exploration. 
Because I think that's actually really healthy. It allows you to develop your capacity to reflect on your experience, to maybe get clear on some things that you want, um, and to look at what within you is stable and where you might be struggling, right? And it helps you figure out what your resources are in your life, be they your work, your friends, you know, your hobbies. Um, and those are all really helpful um, for therapy, but as well as obviously for your life. But doing that or when you are therapizing other people, you don't have a helping contract with them. And I cannot stress how important this is. It's like somebody comes to me and asks for legal advice. Obviously, that's not my wheelhouse. <laughs> and that's not the helping contract. They're coming to me because they want therapy, not mm -hmm. legal advice. So I have to be really careful. I can say, oh, hey, that's a great question to ask a lawyer, right? Mm -hmm. um, I can say, I think that's a really great question to ask um, your prof. Uh, or maybe this is a good question for your friends, but you're in therapy. These are some great questions that we get to share and discuss. But when you sort of therapize a friend or a family member, you don't have that contract in place. They haven't given you consent to go right in there to their emotionally squishy bits. And that's the point. You right. don't want to do that. Yeah. Well, and it's that it's that containment that I, I mean mm -hmm. that I, I just I haven't mentioned this, but I, I don't do I don't work with individuals anymore. Um, I do nothing but policy and education. But back when I was training to work with individuals, that was the big realization for me in my early training days um, was asking the right questions isn't the hard part of doing therapy with people. That's right. It's keeping them safe and helping them kind of pick up all the scattered emotional bits that are lying all over the floor. That's the really hard part. And that's the, that takes years of training to get decent at doing, not even yep. great at doing, decent at doing. Yep. And that is a big thing missing um, when well-intentioned, and I want to be real, I want to be honest about that. It's it's usually coming from a really good place when well-intentioned friends force that help upon other friends. Yeah, that, that right. was actually that's actually why I wanted to bring up that you and I were talking about yesterday was the fact that like one of the biggest important parts of that, if you were going to work through something with your friends, is consent. Absolutely. And, and, and I, this is going to sound comical because it is, but it's uh, what we found would be a good example. If anyone out there has watched the show IT Crowd, there is there is there's a there's a D&D &D episode of it. And for those who haven't seen it, um, <laughs> essentially, there's this whole long joke about D&D. &D. They also do the Godfather in there, which amazingly works together. But that's not important to the story. Essentially, the the character who's running the D and D game and the person, uh, the friend who's in it, the friend just went through a breakup and the DM inserts an NPC into the game. That is essentially his ex so that he can say goodbye to her. And it's this really emotional thing and he's crying at the table and it's kind of hilarious with everything that's going on. But the thing is like, that makes a really good scene and great British television. Do not do that. No, do not just, Catch your friend off guard with emotions, especially if they're in a place where they think that they're getting away from everything. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> we don't want that. 
Absolutely. That would be a, that it makes for funny um, television, um, but it makes for terrible life experiences because mm. you just breach someone's trust and someone's boundaries, yeah. right? Yeah. And I think that's the piece that's so important here. Um, a therapeutic event can be playing D&D with your friends for sure. Um, because it um, allows you to experience different parts of yourself. You have fun with your friends. You have a good time. You eat some Cheetos, maybe. But, you know, you're not um, being forced to confront the parts of yourself that are squishy in that moment, which is good because your friends haven't contracted to manage your feelings. In other words, they also didn't give consent to have you in a crying heap at the table. That wasn't the, <laughs> that wasn't the intention. And so that yeah. makes it very difficult for everyone because we all want to have fun and we all want to have a sense of safety um, mm -hmm. in our lives and our games. And when someone comes into my office, they've contracted, if you will, to to sit and reflect on their week or their weeks and reflect on where they're at emotionally and work on those learning edges in their lives. And it's my job to hold the space for them and to talk them through it and to also, by the time we get to the end of the session, close that door so that they feel strong enough to manage the aspects of their life that they're going back to. Mm -hmm. So... As you say, that's the piece to really learn. It's easy yeah. to ask the difficult questions. It's harder to help people cope with the answers. Mm -hmm. And that's yeah. really important. So, I, like, like, going back to the scene real quick, like, the, again, made a funny scene, but like, if you went yeah. to try and do that, how do you think the rest of that night goes? Like, you're just like, yeah. all right, now that you're crying at the table, y'all have a good one. <laughs> Cheetos next week on me. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Like, <laughs> there, yeah, there's no way that evening is ending no, well. No, like, oh, you're all that's, sobbing. That's putting Let's it back do together. shots. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that's the putting it back together piece that you're talking about. Like, D and D can always be therapeutic, and I think from what like you guys are saying is like. It's not therapy unless the person running the game is a therapist. <laughs> Even then, what yeah. have the players contracted to? What right. do they yeah. agree oh, to? Oh, no, no. I mean, like, with, yeah. if the game was specifically purposed yeah, okay. for that. Right. Yeah, yeah. No, no. Not like, not like, oh, my friend's a therapist. Come over <laughs> yeah. and play. I don't want to no, work don't through do it, man. Don't do oh, that. It's going to be good. You know? Don't do that. We're up for it. <laughs> Oh, I make them oh. weak. <laughs> oh no, strawed in the hands of a therapist. <laughs> but if you, one of the questions that, uh, you know, when I, I mentioned Adam and Adam at Game to Grow, um, and there's other people who I would consider prominent um, vocal uh, proponents of applied gaming, uh, Drs. Elizabeth Kilmer and Jared Kilmer, uh, who are also affiliated with Game to Grow. Um, Elizabeth is their training director now. Um, Dr. Megan Connell, who is with Geeks Like Us. Um, when we all get together and we talk to people about this, one of the questions we get is like, how can I play role-playing games in a way that benefits my players? And my answer is the same, just be a good DM, okay? Mm -hmm. What your players decide to explore at the table, that is none of, you do not force that, all right? Self-exploration in a safe environment is so different than therapy, mm -hmm. okay? The, you know, my DMs had no idea that in my early 20s, my late teens, what I was doing was a form of self-exploration of my own identity socially. 
that I, you know, because of my undiagnosed autism, I was incredibly awkward. I'm still awkward, but I'd like to thank, you know, Wes Anderson for making cute charming or making <laughs> making awkward charming. Um, but the, see, I did. Are they? Yay. But, um, <laughs> Got it right there. there it yay. But the. Um, <laughs> But, you know, what my what my DMs didn't know is that I was essentially practicing trying to be charismatic, trying to be social, trying to be um, um, someone who was emotionally connected to people around them. And they they let me do that by just running a good game. Yeah, it was on your terms. It was my important piece. I controlled it. Yep. Mm hmm. And so if you want to help your players, just be a good DM. Run a good game. <laughs> yeah, that it, it, I, 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 I do think that is a big one. Is like if you if you know one of your friends is like going through something, just try and like you know you're they're coming back to the table. They want to have a good time because that's what everyone's always there to do. Just do more of the same. Mm-hmm. Don't don't reinvent the wheel because you want to try extra hard to help them. What you've been doing is obviously working because they've been coming back to the table already. Great thing um, to remember. I think, yeah. yeah, I think this is a good place to uh, take a quick break and remind our viewers and listeners of the disclaimer for our show. Champions of Psychology is meant as education and entertainment. It is not a substitute for medical advice or professional counseling. Discussion of mental health topics will be primarily rooted in research and the personal experiences and self-disclosures of the hosts. While we can provide generalized education and possible mental health resources, we cannot offer any recommendations, advice, or opinions for any specific persons, cases, or situations. We, pr- uh, we provide these resources and links at our sole discretion, uh, but have not necessarily vetted or reviewed any resource. We assume no liability uh, for the use of this information and uh, or resources on these sites, and we encourage that you use your own best judgment. And as a reminder, if uh, at the end of the show, we will be doing a question area, so if you have any questions, put them into the chat, and our lovely uh, 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 mod, Jay, I, words are hard after reading so many words. Uh, Jay, Jay will put them into a text doc for me to ask them later. Uh, but uh, I... I think this is a good time to kind of give examples of what we find therapeutic and in this and this is different again from the the uh you know last week's with uh, distraction versus avoidance. These are the things that actually are like no this helped me, has helps me through stuff. <laughs> not just lets me not think about it. Yeah. Uh where where do you all want to start with that? Well, what do you find therapeutic, Trevor? <laughs> Um, so the, the, when, when we talked about this, uh, yesterday, the one that I kind of always, uh, go back to is, is just raving about dark souls. And I, I know that gets a lot of people rolling their eyes in two ways. Either it's like, oh, I've heard so many people talk about this as helping them or just like, oh God, I hate dark souls. I don't want to hear about it. Here's the thing is that dark, I've talked to enough people who have played dark souls that has helped them through not like actually working on something because I'm not going to say that killing a giant slug monster who was eating all of their servants uh, helped me through like any kind of like thing that I was working on. Uh, But like it, it helped pull me out of a depression. That's why dark souls three specifically is so near and dear to my heart because I was in a very, very dark place uh, mentally at the time and I started playing this game, and the way that I described it to Dr. B yesterday was like, I was literally fighting through a dark, depressing world to mm-hmm. get out of it. Like, 
if, if you haven't played Dark Souls, one of the whole points of the game is you are lighting these bonfires to reignite the flames of the world and mm. reignite the world itself. And it kind of felt like that as I was going through the game. Like, I was in these places that were dark, depressing, sad, all of these things. Like, if you look into the lore, it is it is massively depressing. Mm. <laughs> but it going through and... and fighting these enemies pushing myself further fighting a boss and defeating it and getting that that texas victory achieved like mm -hmm. that was satisfying and uh was me working toward i was became goal oriented and where i'm i'm going to keep going with it or it's like oh the abyss watchers just kicked my ass four times in a row oh all right i'm gonna i'm gonna go in one more time and then i did it and i was like yes i can't, i'm i gotta turn this off for right now but i cannot wait to get back to it um and, and so that one for me like uh, i like i'm not gonna say that Anytime I'm depressed, I turn on Dark Souls 3. But, like, I, I've definitely... There's been a few times since that first playthrough, I'm like... Might be might be a Dark Souls time. My I I might need to I might need to just kind of get back into that real quick. Um and, and yeah, I that that is the one for me that like I, I have a special place in my heart because of I know that like when I started that game. I was not in a good place. And when I finished that game, I was in a completely different place. And I did other things during that. Like, this isn't, I, I'm not going to sell us like a Subway commercial. You got to walk to the store. You got to get the light mayo. Like, you, <laughs> I, I was still going to therapy at the time and everything like that. But it was definitely one of the things that helped me on the side mm -hmm. uh, while I'm at home where those thoughts could get to me. Um, when, uh, so that, that was my distraction and my therapeutic gaming. I think that's a fantastic uh, story, and thank you so much for sharing it. And I agree. I think that that is a, is absolutely where it's therapeutic, and it also kind of was this beautiful metaphor of you lighting up um, <laughs> this world, and and kind of in the process of working through lighting up your own, right? Mm. And so that's a that's a wonderful mirroring of kind of what was happening in your life that played through but differently and as a fabulous distraction at the same time. Like to there's... be fair, there is an ending where you can just put out the flame, but it, that's that's beside the point. Why'd you tell me? You know? But th this is also why, like, you know, there, there's a big conversation around Dark Souls and Souls-like games of accessibility because uh, people with certain disabilities cannot play the games because they cannot keep up with the, the, the mechanics and the controller and everything like that. And this is why I fight so hard. Be like, no, put a freaking easy mode in it. I yeah. don't care. Like, just let people experience these games and see if it has the same effect on them, even if it's not the hardest thing in the world. It's yeah. almost End as of if no, giving, I agree. it's almost as if there's no one play one way to play. Ooh. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, no. I think that's that's really making games accessible is huge. I mm -hmm. think it's so important. Yeah, because yeah. what you get out of it might not be what another person gets out of it. Yeah. Like just because it, you feel good because you beat the boss that you know was really hard for you to beat before, and you got that sense of victory and that get good nature of it, does not mean that you can't get something else out of that same thing. Yeah, everybody plays for different reasons. Like my, my mom used to play World of Warcraft um, quite a lot and um, she really wasn't, you know, 
<laughs> Sorry, Dr. Beast's expression there was great. I had no idea that there was a genetic link in your family for <laughs> well, I didn't I know it was no matrilineal. I <laughs> it, it, absolutely. I, I actually had no idea my mother was going to get into WoW when the rest of our family started playing. My mom created this paladin character, and she got really into it. And, and then she felt she kind of scared herself a little bit because she got super intensely into it. And then she was like, it was all she wanted to do. Yeah, no, hyperfocus is her thing. ADHD absolutely runs in the family. And so she she kind of freaked herself out um, and, and stopped playing. But then eventually she created a hunter. Um, and she just really enjoyed playing. She didn't always, she didn't play particularly well by her own admittance, um, but she just loved running around in this Tolkien world, you know, leveling up, you know, doing quests. She had a, she had a blast. And um, at that point, at most points, actually, um, in my adult life, my mother has lived several thousand miles away, at least. And so this was a really great opportunity for all of us to kind of get together and play for a little bit um, and I meet in this world, which I think is another fabulous use of, of games, that kind of mm -hmm. connection, um, you know, distraction, if you will, and also positive therapeutic connection to people who otherwise wouldn't be close to you physically. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. it, uh, my my weekly D and D game. My sister uh, and brother in law who live uh, different. Their brother in laws for with a different sister, but anyhow, they they're in vastly different places than where I am, and so getting to play with them weekly and getting to see them is fantastic. Yeah. Well, so I mean, I think we're all aware of the therapeutic purpose of games in yeah. that way right now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, we're talking about um, games as something providing that, once again, that incidental benefit. And one of the things that we we talked about before this show, but we haven't talked about during, is the idea that there is no one, you know, therapeutic in this sense game for mm -hmm. everybody because we all have different needs. What's therapeutic as an activity to me may be super stressful for somebody else because mm -hmm. my needs are different. Speaking and, of which, what is therapeutic for you? <laughs> uh, cooking. Well, actually, so two things. Cooking and running are really therapeutic for very different reasons. See, um, running's therapeutic for you. Absolutely not for me. <laughs> well, here's the thing. Here's the thing. I like to bring up running as an example because I because it's an interesting contrast. I hate running. I hate it with a passion. All right? I hate doing it. All right? But, but... It's empowering for me because, one, I hate doing it. And mm. it, when I do it, I feel that sense of accomplishment that you talked about with Dark Souls. That I, I feel that sense of empowerment for having run. Mm. Uh, additionally, I um, l l let's talk about something that gets me out of my head and into my felt bodily experience, even though I'm going, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this, I hate this the whole time. It gets me in the moment and very aware of what's going on with me right then. And then afterwards, I feel that sense of, you know, accomplishment. I'm breathing better. I get all the health benefits, blah, 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 you know, endorphins, <laughs> and all that stuff. But blah, blah, blah. It, um, running is a therapeutic thing for me because it gives me that sense of empowerment and in the moment awareness. Same thing with cooking. Cooking, I actually tend to go to more because one, I like doing it. Uh, but two, it, it keeps me in the moment because my knives are really, really sharp. 
<laughs> and I have to pay attention. But three, it's also an expression of caring, of love, of creativity that I can do for myself, for other people. So, I mean, cooking is also kind of a performance and I need an audience. So, you know, hey. <laughs> Um, That's interesting that you should say that. I used to cook professionally, and I did that for years. I have 12 years as a chef, and I was a master pastry chef. Um, oh, wow. I did not know that. That's <laughs> no, fantastic. So, we um, need to chat sometime about that when I'm having a difficult time making challah. Call me. I, okay. I make challah, and I have a couple of good recipes. Um, but... Um, so cooking for me isn't at all performative because I used to have to do it in a fairly high stress environment. And back when I was working in professional kitchens, I was often the only woman there. However, cooking is, um, baking particularly, well, both of them. I absolutely love cooking and I'll, t I'll often put headphones on and I'll just quietly go at it. Um, and sometimes somebody will join me in the kitchen and that's kind of fun too, um, and it's different because then it's that shared activity. So I think I find cooking really therapeutic because sometimes when you are able to deploy on a skill that you have, uh, particularly if it's something you're very good at, that is really therapeutic. That can feel like that flow state that Chikden Mihaly, and I'm going to butcher his name completely. Mihai. Nobody Chikden knows Mihai. how to say his name. <laughs> I got a pronunciation app if you want. <laughs> oh, yeah, actually... Have fun with this. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he wrote about flow and the flow mm. state, and the flow state is profoundly therapeutic, and we all have different um, ways of reaching that flow state. For some people, running takes them into it, for example. Um, meditation can take us into flow, but doing a thing that you're skilled at that you really enjoy or just doing a thing that you love can also take you into a flow state. So that's a resource and it's mm -hmm. therapeutic. Well, uh, one, of, uh, one thing I, I, it may help people to separate because I mean, this is a criticism I have of the mental health industry as a whole. We don't do a good job of of differentiating terms once they're in the popular usage like mild depression to a therapist is very different than mild depression i think to a lot of folks because to a therapist mild depression is still really serious um because mm -hmm. mild is a relative clinical term um but i don't i wonder if it's helpful for people to think of instead of using the word therapeutic think of it as need fulfillment mm -hmm. that uh, this 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 meta need i had mm. no maybe no i don't know okay I, i'll see I, myself well, 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 well no 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 because like again i'm not the professional in any way shape or form but for me on the outside like i would see a distraction as also be fulfilling a need that i need in that moment yeah whereas therapeutic almost seems like it would be like a tool helping me for myself uh not just ignoring the thing and getting a moment to recharge to re uh to, to face the thing but is actually kind of helping me through it yeah i think need is kind of broad is is part of the challenge like i agree with you because i would say that we may want to avoid um we don't need necessarily <laughs> like we confuse needs and wants sometimes and that's a thing certainly we're all working to make sense of for ourselves but i think that's a, that's a bit broad but i do think 
that um, there is within people um, a need, if you will, for, yeah, for those therapeutic experiences that help enrich our life. They help us feel better, and they are ultimately a resource for us. And as a therapist, we end up talking a lot about that. So if someone comes in to see me, they've gone through a thing or two, and I'm curious about um, their support, like the people in their lives, uh, family, friends, whoever. Um, And then I'm also curious about the things they might do for fun or that enrich their lives, because those are certainly needs we have. And those as resources in our lives can kind of help us cope with um, challenging things that come up. Mm -hmm. So we want to look at how resourced a person is before we sort of, before we can figure out a treatment plan that's going to work for them. And somebody who's in crisis or in a really fragile state in their lives is going to maybe really be struggling with either being able to make use of resources. Yeah, I don't don't care how much I love it. I may not be in a place to go to a D&D game with my friends. You know, I may want to read a book, but my focus and concentration are such that I really can't. So these things that maybe were resources before, I can't do. So we have to look at what's possible for that person in that time before we sort of get into um, how far can we go? How deep can we go? You know, what am I doing? Am I I doing crisis management? Am I able to go into uh, therapy? Like, where am I at with that Mm -hmm. person and where are they at in their lives? So... Um, before we switch over to uh, uh, viewer questions, uh, Beecher, what what do you find therapeutic? What, what what's your thing that helps you? Uh, I do. I tend to love doing crafts um, if I can. I like to sew. I'm not able to do as much of that, maybe because my office, my office, my sewing room is my office now. <laughs> you know? So like, you know, mm, it's kind of hard to dismantle. Dampening. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Why not? There's lots of you got fabric all that in fabric there. fabric around you. Right? <laughs> it's true. She just holds up a pillow, it's it stitched into it. How does that make you feel? Right. <laughs> that's, that's totally how I practice. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> how does that? No, but um, crafts, uh, c- cooking, my cats, my cats, uh, my family. Um, oh, I can't wait till the know. day my cat is therapeutic. She's not right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have one who's a sweetheart, just allows himself to be cuddled and sits on my chest and purrs. That's super great. Oh, um, yeah. yeah. Uh, yoga, when I'm doing it frequently enough. Right now, my body is killing me because like, sometimes when you stretch after a long time, it really hurts. Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about what makes me feel good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, I love reading. Reading's great, too. So. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, in the, the question area, we got uh, AliBug321, who's Ali Deichman, my co-host of Difficulty Class. Hey, Ali. Woo-hoo. Hi, Ali. Uh, Hi. So this is uh, this is in regards to uh, back at the beginning of our conversation about uh, therapeutic games and therapy games. Uh, so she, uh, she says, so like the intent of the game is the difference, and I and I feel like that's kind of what it is, right? Like the the intent of how the game was made kind of puts it into one category or the other. I, I would also add intent and consent. Yeah. Okay. Because th- because you know as we talked about on the previous episode, make sure to go check out the podcast or VODs available on. Where are they? I'm, I'm terrible. Uh, YouTube.com slash CNE Games movie. I think yeah. That might be the, the, yeah. Yeah, we got a couple on YouTube. Yeah. Now, I think uh, it... But when we talked about therapy, therapy is a contractual agreed upon relationship where you mm-hmm. go in with full consent. In fact, 
you know, at least in the states, you it's legally required that when people do therapy, they are given full informed consent documents Absolutely. to sign. Yep. Um, and so it is not only the intent, it's the consent. And so I saw somebody in the chat brought up that episode of the IT crowd that it, it, it it's funny in, you know, in retrospect, because it turned out so well, but there was literally a moment where Roy says, please don't. And Moss just says, go with it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that was Ali. Actually, that, that was Ali. Yeah. That yeah. Okay. Yeah. 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 It's yeah. that's that's the major difference. It's it's not only in the intent of the game; it's the consent to play this game with its intent. Very much like how like the the game that you were talking about uh, uh, that that the Adams made was like critical. They core. they are saying like this is a therapy. This is helping you. This is the intent is to do this social. Skills. If you play yeah. this, you understand that this is the intent of it. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, the big underlying question is, do you have a helping contract with this person? That's how my supervisor used to put it. And, and you know, if you have any doubt, then likely you do not. <laughs> Did you sign a consent form? <laughs> Did you agree that we could talk about this thing or work through this thing together? Do you feel confident that you are safe in that environment to do that work? Because even if you are in a situation where someone has a helping contract with you, if you do not feel safe speaking to your therapist, consider why that might be. Mm-hmm. So anyway. Yep. Uh, let's see. Uh, Ludi says, uh, uh, for me, gaming is a kind, is, uh, is kind of therapeutic. It calms me down, and in some games, I can be myself. And gaming with the partner is a fun and uh, fun and good for the relationship, solving things together. Yes, yeah, sometimes. I, uh, my, my wife and I play plenty of co-op games, but there's definitely a few where we're like, we can't play this together. <laughs> I, I want to sleep in the same bed as you tonight. I we can't play this one together. <laughs> yeah, Eric won't play Scrabble with me. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> and and I won't play like there's some games that are really just about strategy. Think chess. I will not play those games. Mm. Or if it's very mm. number based, no. So. <laughs> Uh, let's see. Rogers uh, seven seven three says today I learned finger puppets are the gateway to violence, uh, violent deviancy. Now you know. Now you now know. know. Um, it's it's not talked My about a lot. Are showing. Oh God. <laughs> I, there we go. Uh, this one I, must don't, I don't think crimes. Gonna... <laughs> <laughs> must commit crimes. No. Um, so uh, I don't know if we'll be able to answer this one, but uh, it, it's an interesting one. Uh, uh, Scatter Brightly uh, says, why do my qu- uh, quote-unquote normally adjusted group always tend towards quote-unquote murder hobos when they play? <laughs> oh, well, that's a way to uh, release some steam, Like, right? That's, that's like you want to be able to be deviant. Games can be really transgressive, and that's why they're fun. Like we get to do things in a game that we wouldn't get to do it or want to do necessarily in mm. real life. But like, you know, playing a character who's chaotic or dangerous can be a lot of fun. Absolutely. And and when it uh, is a table full of teenagers that ends up doing that, that's a fun time for me to teach them about rules and laws. (laughs) (laughs) Natural consequences. Well, they- yeah, well, I I loved when I had a group uh, get really confused when uh, NPC heroes showed up to stop the bad guys, and they were looking at them. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, it's um, this is actually you know Mitra brought this up. This is something I I joke with people about. Um, if I once I figure out how to how to hang it, you will eventually see a wooden Captain America shield 
on my wall. Um, Captain America is my hero. Um, so uh, lawful good in real life. Uh, like So lawful good in real life. I feel guilty doing the most minor of transgressions. He's uh, guilty. He feels guilty right now. I really do. It's that Catholic upbringing. Um, what do you feel guilty for? Breathing other people's air. <laughs> they were using that. But the um, in games, especially, you know, role-playing games, oh, do I get to have chaotic fantasies? I am such a little imp in, in, uh, in role-playing games so much of the time. I just get to let my inner chaotic demon go loose. And I, yeah, yeah, it's fun. It's so fun because there's no consequences in real life aside from laughter. You mean there's no consequences in the game world? Yeah. Oh no, yeah. there's consequences in the game world. Like, yeah. There are consequences in the game world. Oh, I see. There's no consequences you take out of the game. Got it. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, they, they've had that to spring sense. me from jail a couple times. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Don't mouth off to the cops, even in D&D. Uh, Alleybug321 comes back. It says, uh, yeah, it feels really icky when a DM tries to force self-exploration. Had a DM that constantly tried uh, to do that and wanted uh, to motivate the PCs through guilt. It was rough and not a fun campaign. Yeah. Yeah. Ew. There's enough of that in life sometimes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We, get, we try to get rid of those toxic people in our lives, and we don't need them in our game world either. Mm -mm. No. Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that kind of is what I've been finding with like stuff that I watch where like, I don't want to watch depressing and sad and dark stuff anymore. It's like, I I'm sure people watch it and it makes them happy or whatever. I'm not going to watch breaking bad that, that I'm oh, like, no. that looks like no terribly self-destructive and depressing. No. And I, I do not want that. I will watch over the garden wall instead or something. <laughs> I, I, I tried to, I, I tried to watch breaking bad one time. I binged the first season and, uh, immediately I needed to, you know, cuddle up with a big blanket and Will Ferrell movies. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. I can't do it. I, you know, I deal with trauma at work, which is amazing, and I really value being able to do that. But uh, I have no control over what these <laughs> characters do <laughs> in shows like that, and I just find it super depressing <laughs> to oh, deal yeah. with. So, yeah, yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, Kestrel underscore McKnight says, I try to encourage self-exploration at the table, which I stream on Saturdays, but ultimately uh, try not uh, try to focus on fun. I don't like to be the instigator as a DM. I try to be reactionary. And I think that that is a good way to go about it. It's like this, if you want to do self-exploration at the table, 100%. Like that's a good session zero thing to lay down. Yep. And because like I I've I've met uh, I met someone once who um, was what they, they 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 were they were like I might be trans, and so they played characters that were trans or of the gender that they now felt they were, and kind of did self exploration of that through the game. But, but they didn't tell the, the table that they were just doing that for themselves. And it, they did, and it eventually helped them. Um, I, I think it, that way is good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think if you want to get um, 
the DM support on trying something, then that's that's your choice, right? But you should never feel that the DM is forcing you to try something or do something that you don't want to, because then it's not a game anymore, right? Then it's not an opportunity to just have fun and explore on your terms. And that's a really big part of playing games is to um, is that it should feel voluntary. Mm-hmm. Right, you should yeah. feel like you can go there. You don't have to. It's right. safe. Well, uh, oh, well a quick a quick explanation that um, you know when I train you know clinicians and teachers on role playing games on because a lot of them have not played role playing games before and they're like, well, what is it? I I break it down to it is collaborative storytelling. Okay, mm-hmm. and the traditionally what I tell them is that uh, the players are like the lead actors who have a very collaborative relationship with the GM, the DM, who is the lead writer, the producer, the director, the executives, the lawyers, the marketing team all at once. Um, But the cooperative aspect is the really important part. And if you've got it, I mean, how, how angry do we get when we just, in terms of the story, feel railroaded by the DM? That anger is just going to intensify tenfold for me if I feel emotionally railroaded. Mm Mm-hmm. 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 Absolutely. Mm-hmm. I think the piece that's so important is that sense of play, right? We talk about things that are therapeutic in our lives, and some of them are things that are good for us but are hard to do. Um, and you mentioned running, Dr. B. Um, <laughs> I hate it so and, much. You know, yoga is good for me, but not always easy to do. Um, but the things that we, when we talk about therapeutic in relation to games and play, what we're really talking about is that sense of play, right? That games are therapeutic partly because of the playful space we can enter into. And there's other things we do in our lives, hobbies or fun things that allow us to do that. And that's such a big piece of it, right? It, it That playfulness allows us to take risks. Um, the risks we take in the game world or even in a positive therapeutic setting can help us, or even in therapy, can help us kind of... Um, Take risks and have fun. Learn something new, but have a good time. Mm-hmm. Just be engaged and be in that flow state. That sense of play is such a crucial part of it. So, yeah. Um, the uh, two last ones uh, I'm going to read here uh, is for this one is from CV Sevi. I'm sorry if I messed up your name. Uh, so my mental health has definitely improved since I started playing D&D. Having the routine, having a place to talk about stuff without directly talking about it, parentheses, using a character as a proxy, and just uh, hanging out with friends helps so much. And I, 100%. I'm yeah. very happy that you're yeah. getting that out of it. Uh, Obo Lauren says, can I get that recipe that, uh, that you're talking oh, about? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I didn't know how to pronounce it. I wasn't going to butcher it. <laughs> yeah, no, I saw, I saw it here and I'm like, I don't think they said those letters. <laughs> it's true. Um, I haven't made it in a while, but I'll, I'll, I'll try again. Mine always, it always ends up being just a little too flowery for me or a little, or a little too eggy. Getting that balance is so difficult for me. You can cut mm. down on the eggs. Well, it's it. There's this sweet spot that where it, it literally we, becomes we can, sweet. We can't get. We can't break into Lee Goldberg's thing. The, he's got the cooking show on this channel. We can't. We can't overshadow. Fair enough. Fair that's enough. pancakes. This. Hey, is, hey, hey. There's plenty of eggs in those. Well, actually, no. That's not a cooking show. That is artistry, sir. That Ooh. is true. You're not wrong. Ooh. You're not wrong. If you haven't Fair seen uh, uh, Grill Champions, please check it out on Fridays. Uh, Gleaming Metal. I'm going to get to your question in a moment, but uh, for most part that is going to do it for this week's episode dr b mitra where can people find you 
uh, at Mitra Jordan on Twitter or MitraJordan.com. Uh, I'm very easy to find. There aren't many Mitra Jordans around, you know? <laughs> well, uh, for me, first of all, make sure to follow Take This on all the socials at Take This Org because all, almost all the work I do is through them. Um, but if you want to follow me, link is right down there. The Dr. B on, on the Twitters. And I, I guess I'm technically on Instagram. I don't use it much. Technically. But I, yeah, no, I know. I'm on there. But, the um, the yeah, way I describe just... it on difficulty classes, if you would like to see an inactive Instagram, follow us. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of pictures of hats on my Instagram. And... <laughs> Love it. Uh, you can find me on the Difficulty Class podcast on Fridays and Champions Lore every Monday at 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time here on twitch.tv slash CNE Games and also on Twitter at the Trevor. There's an A hiding in there. Um, and do... Uh, uh, Oh, yeah, we'll do this one first. <laughs> I'm all over the place. I apologize. I'm still... Uh, uh, Lauren said yesterday I had holiday brain, and I think it's still infecting me. Uh, first off, thank you to Jay for moderating the chat. As always, you do a fantastic job. Wouldn't be able to do this show without you. Thank you for a code name, and uh, take this for giving us an opportunity to have these discussions and answer Gleaming Metal's question. If you did miss any part of this show today, you can catch it later as a podcast at 2 p.m. when it goes up on most every service. If I'm missing one, let me know, and I'll work on it. And... Uh, I believe they are going up on YouTube. I don't know if they are there yet, but Codename Entertainment's uh, um, YouTube channel, uh, all most of the shows end up there as VOD, so you can watch that later. Um, but uh, but yeah, uh, if uh, if you're here with us uh, live, uh, you uh, be sure to come back. Oh no, wait, no, I think uh, Bardic Inspiration is uh, is postponed this week. I almost screwed up like I did yesterday. Haha, <laughs> I caught myself, Jay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if you're not with us live in the chat right now and listening to us later, we'd love to see you here with us next week, Tuesday, 11 a.m. Pacific Standard Time, twitch.tv slash games, because you can join in the conversations and ask any question that you might have uh, going on while you're listening to us. Uh, but I think that is going to do it for this week. So uh, until next week, take care of yourself. <laughs>